they're trying to use this crisis to get a number of legislative provisions and things into law that they've always wanted. Why are we talking about H-1B visas? The individuals coming across that border are not masters and PhD uh, recipients with high skilled um, you know, skill sets. It's just not. They could be in the trafficking, they could be in indentured servanthood. He is basically released terrorists into the United States. We know that there are probably terror cells in the United States. We have set ourselves up for our own October 7th. All right. Welcome back to the Sean Spicer Show. Um, there is a lot happening. For those of you, by the way, who had a big football night, I don't really, I don't care. I lost it when the Patriots didn't have the best season ever. So, you know, I'll watch. But instead, I had a live stream last night um, on my YouTube channel with Grant Stinchfield. Fun, fun thing. If you missed it, please go check it out. We had a lot of great conversations, topics come up. We interacted with a lot of you. If you subscribe to the channel, by the way, it's all free. You'll make sure that you're invited next time. We do these a lot on Sunday nights, Sunday Night Live, so it's fun. Uh, today, though, on the show, we're going to break down the House Republicans' effort to impeach uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary. Plus, we're going to really get to the to what's happening on our southern border, what can be solved, what not, what Biden can do. He came out over the weekend and started going off about, day one, I'll shut down the border. Well, really, why aren't you doing anything now? Because you can. You know you can, and you're not. Uh, I'm going to ask Chad Wolf. He was the acting secretary of Homeland Security. Uh, my guess is he doesn't share Biden's view on this. And then Congressman Keith Self, he's from Texas. I want to get a view from the ground, what's happening in Texas. Plus also, let's really get to, to what's happening with this legislation that they keep talking about. Is it a good deal? I don't think so. Uh, so without further ado, let's bring in Chad Wolf, the former acting secretary of Homeland Security under President Trump. Chad, good Monday to you. Thanks for being with us. I couldn't think of a better person to break down what's happening at the border than you. Uh, let me just start with this. Yesterday, or over the weekend, it was probably, if we back it up even further, President Biden says, if they sign this legislation, I'll shut the border down day one. Okay, just so that people understand this, what, what's preventing him from doing it yeah. now, if anything? Well, it's a, it's a great point, Sean. Uh, and the answer is nothing. Right. Um, and that's, you know, this is the farce that the left in this administration is trying to sell the American people that somehow this is Congress's fault uh, and now issue to solve, you know, on behalf of the uh, of the country. And it's just not the case. Right. What we know is when Biden took office in the first 100 days, he issued 94 executive actions, 94 executive actions. Let me say that again. Uh, that altered the, the playing field of border security and immigration and really caused the crisis that we've had over the last three years. So Biden can change this dynamic. He can solve this crisis tomorrow if he chose to do so. They don't want to do it. Uh, it's clear that they haven't wanted to do that for three years now. And now, you know, they've blamed everyone. They tried to blame the Trump administration at first. They've blamed Mexico. They've blamed seasonal trends, cyclical trends everything but their actual policies. And now for the last six or seven months, they have been on to blaming Congress. Uh, and, and they're sticking with that right now. Well, in fact, they put out, this is a memo that the White House put out this morning. I'm not going to get that picky, but it just, the funny part is it's a memo to no one. It literally says memo, then re, then date. <laughs> uh, it just shows you, I mean, like, and the, the media, of course, picked it up. Yeah. Here's what I, I want you to, before we get into the, to the crux of this memo to no one, yeah. um, when the left and the media say that the president can't do it, as the former 
acting secretary of Homeland Security, if you got the call and said, tell me five things that the Biden administration could do day one right now without Congress or whatever, two, three, pick your number. What specifically could the president do today to help stem the tide of illegal immigration into the country? Well, first and foremost, you stop catch and release. That is the number one issue that's driving this crisis. Anytime an illegal alien gets into the United States and is released into any number of communities, let's just say it's Chicago, and they call back home and they say, hey, mom or dad or aunt, uncle, whoever, I've made it here. And they only, and they only really have left in the last week or two. That, guess what? That just fuels more and more and more. So there's no deterrence in the system. So you've got to stop catch and release. You reinstitute the Remain in Mexico program. You restart border wall construction and priority locations. The asylum cooperative agreements that we had with three Central American countries are really, really important. And you've got to let ICE law enforcement officers actually remove individuals. You need to start targeting those removals and actually start advertising those. You've got to bring some deterrence back into the system. None of that is occurring at the moment. Right. If you remember, Secretary Mayorkas at the beginning of the administration actually put out a policy memorandum that said, if you knowingly break the law, if you come over the over the border illegally, that alone is not enough of a reason to remove an individual. Well, guess what? The cartels and the smugglers just advertised that that basically said the U.S., there is no there's no consequences for you breaking the law and, and illegally entering the United States. So you've got to undo some of that. All of that, Secretary Mayorkas and President Biden can do tomorrow. They don't need Congress to do any of those actions or to undo any of those actions. But what we've seen over the last three years is they just, they refuse to do it. And I think, you know, look, call me cynical. I think that the only reason that they are interested in doing it now is we are in a presidential election year. Hey guys, uh, as a former White House press secretary and a graduate of the U.S. Naval War College, I spent a lot of time thinking through contingency planning. And there's nothing better that you can do for yourself and your family and your loved ones than getting the Patriot Power Generator 2000X. When something goes wrong, a natural disaster, some other thing that attacks our power grid, you will be prepared. The Patriot Generator 2000X is the perfect thing for your house, your family. You can plug in everything, a refrigerator, so if you have medical supplies or food, you will be prepared. All of those other tablets and computers, things that are helpful for you and your family, the Patriot Power Generator 2000X takes care of it. The best part about it is it's portable. You can bring it in your house. You can take it with you on a trip, run it out of your car at a campsite. It doesn't matter. Put it literally in your house and on the counter and power the fridge. You can do it. Plus, it operates off a solar panel, which comes free with your order. You will be prepared. No running to the gas station. No worrying about anything else. The Patriot Power Generator 2000X is your hedge against the inevitable. Go to fourpatriots.com slash Spicer to get yours now. One of the points that I keep making to people is there's a balance. He, he knows most of his base doesn't want him to be strong on the border. They want him yeah. to allow people. But, but let's get back to this idea that the left, the excuses that they come up with. And they're saying, well, people have a right under our system yeah. of, of law to claim asylum. But isn't it true that most of them aren't actually going through a, a border, a designated border checkpoint? Well, I think that is true. Look, and, and when the left says that they have a right to claim asylum, I don't necessarily disagree with that. But what the law doesn't tell you to do is to release everyone. And so the Biden administration actually doesn't finish the sentence there. They don't say uh, the law says that everyone's right to claim asylum and we must release them. 
The last part is just what they have envisioned and, and have conjured up. The law actually says you must detain everyone. And if you can't detain everyone, then you can hold them in a safe third country, such as Mexico, which was the Remain in Mexico policy that we had in place. And nowhere in the law does it say you get to release everyone into the country. And so there are some fundamental things that the Biden administration, particularly Secretary Mayorkas, continues not to be transparent with the American people. They don't give you the fine details. They don't say, well, this is how we could be doing it. Or this is how it's worked in the past. What they're trying to tell the American people is the way that they are, be, are doing it is that they're administering immigration law and border security law, right? And this is a, a phrase that they often use that is uh, compatible with our values, our quote unquote values. And it's, it's, a, it's just a farce. So I, if you ask what are their values, well, Sean, you hit on it. They think anyone and everyone can come here to the United States to seek asylum, whether they have a valid claim or not. And we know that 85 to 87% do not have a valid asylum claim. They know that, and yet they can still, they still administer this broken prob, uh, process year after year after year. How much do you think perception plays into this? And what I mean by that is I was telling a story on, on a live stream last night that I did with Grant Sinfield. I've got a friend who's a contractor to the State Department. And he said to me that under the Trump administration, they would put up these billboards in uh, South American countries that would say, you know, our border is closed, don't come, something along those lines. He said, when the Biden administration came, we were told to change the signs to say the equivalent of need help. And here are the resources, the phone numbers, the sites that you can go to to get help. The idea that like the Denver uh, mayor is telling people, here are the jobs you can have. Here are the cell phones and the, you know, the housing things that we'll yep. give you. Are we basically, it's sort of like they're saying, don't come, but wink, nod. Here's what you'll get if you come. Yeah, I think that's right. Look, President Biden said it on the campaign trail back in, in 2016, where he basically said, look, if I'm elected, you all get to come into the United States. Um, and so that message resonates uh, with folks who want to illegally come here. And then, of course, as I talked about, it's not only their, the, their words, but actually their actions. When you take 94 separate and distinct administrative and executive actions in the first 100 days of your administration to simply roll back everything that was done under President Trump that was effective, then you get the system that you have today. So it's not, ju it's not just a messaging or a perception issue, but it's actually their actions. And so you combine the two together, and unfortunately, you have the worst crisis that this country has ever seen. Um, and so you contrast that with the deterrence and the messaging from the Trump administration that said, don't take this dangerous journey. You will, if you don't qualify for asylum, you will be removed. And so the Biden administration knows that. But what they've said is, look, I'm, a, I'm okay with allowing everyone to come in because I'm trying to look for that 15% that actually qualify for asylum. And so that, that small percentage, I'm okay with everyone else coming into the country. And what I would tell your, your listeners and everyone else is, there's a better way to do this. You don't have to accept that type of risk. You don't have to accept that type of fraud in the system if you just administer this a different way. Right. I wanna get back to the memo the White House put out. Yeah. The thing that's interesting to me is, it's, in my opinion, it's a sleight of hand. There are two issues here. One is border security, securing our border, making sure yeah. that we protect our citizens in our country. And the other one is immigration reform, how we allow people to flow in. Right. And I think what the White House is doing is trying to blur it. And they're, they're, they keep putting out all these quotes from everyone from President Trump to Speaker Johnson to, to uh, Majority Leader Steve Scalise, 
talking about the broken system. And the system that I think is broken is immigration and how we prioritize people or allow them to come into the country. But there shouldn't be any just sort of debate about securing the southern border, making sure that people come in in an orderly way, a legal way. Do you think that we're falling prey to a messaging gimmick here where the White House is trying to cloud this uh, discussion to get in uh, a bigger discussion about immigration reform when really most of us are talking first and foremost about securing the border? Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, And look, the left does this time and time again. And I was involved in any number of negotiations during the four years of the Trump administration, and this always came up. And so again, uh, they're negotiating a bill in the Senate right now. I have not seen text of it. I don't believe it's been released, uh, but I have seen what's been reported on, right? And, and if you believe that uh, maybe some of that will be in the final bill, then you have to scratch your head and say, why are we talking about H-1B visas, which are high-skilled visas? You have to have, a ma- you have, to have an advanced degree, a master's degree, or a PhD of some kind, and a number of years of work experience to get that visa. Now, what some Democrats in the Senate have done is said, look, if you want me to you know, work a little bit on some of these borders, you gotta give me more H-1B visas. So, so to your point, Sean, they're actually not interested in border security. They have a bigger agenda at play. They're, they're trying to use this crisis to get a number of legislative provisions and things into law that they've always wanted. There's no one in this country anywhere that can tell you that providing more high-skilled visas is going to solve the crisis on the border. The individuals coming across that border are not masters and PhD uh, recipients with high-skilled um, you know, skill sets. It's just not. And so the two don't have anything to do with one another, but yet, as you indicate, uh, some on the left are, are converging and confusing the two. All right, folks, if you've been watching the show for a while, you've heard me talk about my friend, Leo Grillo. He rescued a Doberman years ago, and he named the dog Delta. Delta stands for dedication and everlasting love to animals. He took it a step further. He founded Delta Rescue, and if you go to deltarescue.org, you can see some of the amazing work that they do. Just check out those videos. Look at some of the things that they do and the research. It's amazing. It's a no-kill sanctuary. You notice I didn't say shelter. It's a sanctuary, dogs, cats, horses. They all roam free. They get the nutrition and the care they need for life. That has been Leo's mission, but it doesn't stop there. Leo wants to make this an enduring mission. All of Delta Rescue runs on our contributions, five, 10, a hundred, a thousand dollars, whatever you can do. But Leo really wants to make sure that this outlasts even him. So if you go to deltarescue.org, you can check out not just the videos, but go to the estate planning kit and think about whether or not helping animals and ensuring that Delta Rescue lives on is part of your mission as well. Go to deltarescue.org, make a contribution, but then download that estate planning kit, deltarescue.org. Check it out now. You know, you brought up the legislation and there is a school of thought among some Republicans, actually, that this is the best deal we're ever going to get. I I sort of, I want to hear your take on it, um, whether that's a deal worth grabbing or whether we should shun it. And I get you to your point, the text is not out yet, but we do know the contours. I know the contours have been reported on, and I would say looking at that now, it's not a deal worth taking. And and why do I say that, right? Because uh, some of the provisions uh, that have to kick in, uh, such as the the biggest one that's been reported on is if you reach 5,000, that somehow you can shut the border down and return individuals very quickly. That provision alone 
is going to be litigated from day one. You can bet the ACLU and everyone else because it's an ar arbitrary number. It's 5,000 or 4,000, whatever number is picked. If you're the, you know, 400 or 4,000th person, you get in. But if you're the five, you know, 500, 5,000 plus person, you don't get in. And so that will be litigated. I don't know that that will ever come to fruition. I hope it, it, it might. Um, but yet all these other provisions that the left would like to see get instituted right away. And so whether it's work authorization for those coming across the border immediately, which is a terrible idea, again, been reported on, we'll see if it makes it in, not good, will continue to drive the crisis. There's a number of things in this bill that actually won't solve the underlying crisis. Um, and I'm not sure why we are negotiating for things like H-1B visas uh, and other things on the immigration front. We have the worst border crisis. We should be negotiating on things of, of how, you know, how far do we want to go on, the, on Remain in Mexico? How much border wall do we want to build? These are the types of provisions we need to be negotiating on instead of saying, well, we can make a little change here and there when we know at the end of the day, it's not going to have a material impact uh, from what I've seen from an operational standpoint. Yeah. The thing that's interesting, I, I was listening to the Sunday shows yesterday and there's this prevailing narrative that like, oh, this is so, like, might as well get this much. I just, I, my, my view is why are we compromising on national security issues? This right. is not, this is something that shouldn't be a, right. I get this and you get that. After 9-11, right. we all understood the threat that our country faced and no one said, you know, I'll let you have a TSA this if you give me that. It's people said, what does it take to secure the country and do it? Right. It, it blows and, my mind. And I know that you're a policy guy at heart, but from a messaging standpoint, I don't know why we're not out there saying this is a national security issue. Why? You yeah, know, the, the, yeah. And then full stop. I, here's here's the threat that our country is under. Either you're with us or you're against us. Right. And I think that's right. And, and it's important to remember the House took some action when they passed HR2, which is a border security bill, right? Not an immigration bill, but a border security bill that had some very, very strong provisions in there to, to address what you are talking about from a national security perspective. What did Chuck Schumer in the Senate do? He said, well, that's, that's a bridge too far. We won't even entertain that. Why aren't we negotiating on that bill? Why aren't we right. saying, hey, the House has some good provisions here. Maybe the Senate doesn't like that bill, but there were some good provisions in that bill. Instead, we said, somehow Senate Republicans said, okay, I guess we can't negotiate on that. So let us start from ground zero and come up with this other negotiated bill, which is not nearly as strong as it needs to be. Um, what was in HR2, such as Remain in Mexico, uh, a number of other provisions were good, good provisions. Why aren't we negotiating on that piece of legislation? I, I just don't understand it. We have the worst crisis this is talking about American lives, and somehow we go to the lowest common denominator and say, let's negotiate from that standpoint. I, I just don't understand. Let me ask you a, a question that I think a lot of people wonder. When you see these images of, of documents that are left on the, uh, yeah. on the ground when these people come in. When someone comes in and says, my name is Joe Smith, uh, here's why I'm, we just, do we just take their, their word on it? And then are we able to ever track them again? Or are they literally just you know, uh, blending into society to never to be seen again. Yeah. So it's a little bit of both. Obviously when individuals come across that border and they have no paperwork, right? Because they either dump them on the Mexican side, which is what they usually do. And they come in, they're fingerprinted. And so if they've crossed before, we usually have a record of them. If not, 
there are some other checks. And so we'll, we'll try to reach back to, a, they say, hey, look, I'm from Honduras. We reach out to the consulate to try to understand who they are. But, but with the numbers that we see on that border every single day, we don't have the time to do that in, in a methodical way. And so a lot of these times you're having to take their word for it. If they don't pop up on any database that says they're a criminal or a national security threat, then we have I, to take their word I just got to think to myself, how many criminals go, uh, my name is Joe Smith. Right. I committed a bunch of terrorist acts. I'm wanted in a lot of places. Uh, is, is it okay if I come in? Right. Absolutely. So uh, now if they're a criminal here in the United States, obviously we have information on them. We have their fingerprints and others. But if they're a criminal back in their home country or wherever they, they came to, and again, w- the information that we're checking is only as so good as, as that originating country has. So if they keep really good background checks, they keep really good fingerprint checks and, and watch lists and things of that nature, okay, I've got some confidence, but a lot of these countries don't, and we know that. And so, so there, there, the information is only as so good as, as, as we get. And so but, that's the concern. But do we fingerprint them or have any DNA? On, so when if they come into our country, we yep. find out something subsequently, can we then track them down or know that they committed a crime in the future because we, we've got their DNA or something when they entered the country? Well, uh, it's, it's a complex uh, answer. The question is, yes, we can, we can track them down. It's not without resources and it doesn't happen overnight. But yes, you can send law enforcement, uh, immigrations and customs enforcement can track but some when of they these come individuals through the border, down. I guess, but when they come through the border, right, yeah. and they either have documentation or not, do we, are we getting information about that person at the time when they're claiming asylum or they're coming through the border checkpoint, are we saying, great, give us your fingerprint, give us yes. your DNA so that in the future we know who they are? Yes. Yes. Okay. So All anyone right, so, coming across that border is fingerprint. We are not, Biden administration has stopped doing DNA testing on, on adults coming across that border with children. During the Trump administration, we put that DNA testing in for a very specific reason. We wanted to know if that person was truly their parent, their guardian, their father, their mother, whoever it might be, or whether they were actually smuggling these children across the border. And for any number of reasons, the Biden administration said, we're not doing that any longer. You mean so not everyone who comes across the border is telling the truth? (laughs) Right, right. So speaking of telling the truth, though, there's this video that went viral the other day, this dude from Azerbaijan. I'll just play it real quick for the audience in case you haven't seen it. By the way, if you are smart enough, you will know who I am. But you are really not smart enough to know who I am. But soon you're going to know who I am. Very easy. Very easy. The the entitlement. The entitlement. Uh, No, believe me. I'm much better than that. All right, Chad. You know, this looks like out of a movie. This guy is like, you're going to know my name. I This I, sounds very reminiscent of, of a like a 9-11 type thing where the guy's saying, I will, you will hear my name. Uh, I'm going to come do bad things. Yeah. President Trump, I was watching the, the um, he was, he's come out against this bill. NBC News on the Today Show said that he's warning of a terrorist activity without evidence. That's their thing. And I'm thinking, that's pretty solid evidence. This guy's <laughs> like, literally, you're going to hear my name. Yeah. Uh, he's on all these watch lists. W- what is going on that we're letting that into the country and we know about it? how are we not tracking that guy? Yeah. So it's concerning. And the fact that he's able, uh, that individual crossing the border feels confident enough to talk to news media or whoever and, and to make those types of statements tells you the type of individuals coming across the border. It's almost like a sense of entitlement. It's an yeah. entitlement in the sense of, I can come across this border. Really, nothing's going to happen to me. I know I'm not going to be removed. I'm not going to be sent back home. I'm going to get released into American communities, and there's nothing that you guys can do about it. 
And so he's just talking freely about maybe you'll know who I am. I, I don't know that I don't know who that individual is. And I think some law enforcement has has taken a look at him. But there is some news reporting today about an Al Shahab Shabab member coming across that border, being released into the United States for months and months and months and just recently picked up in Minneapolis. I yeah, think he was me, released me... for over a year. And so that again, that is concerning because we don't know what that individual has been doing. So, so let me, this is a, a Daily Caller story that came out this morning. Terrorists caught illegally crossing the border was allowed to roam free for nearly a year, Memo says. Federal authorities caught a terrorist at the U.S. southern border and released him into the country where he roamed freely before being arrested in Minnesota. Um, but here's the kicker. Um, it, it talks about how many of these individuals, I think it's 192, yeah. um, Let's see. No, sorry. 172. Border Patrol caught 172 terror watchlist suspects attempting to enter the country. This gets back to my point earlier, Chad. What are we doing when post 9-11, we all held hands and said, never again, never forget. Yeah. And here we are going, you know what? I just, I, I said this to, to Grant Stinchfield last night on this live thing. Why are, the message should be, every Republican should look at Democrats and say, how many terrorists is it acceptable to come into the country? Give me a number. I agree with and you. Make them answer the question. How many? Because right now, 172. Is that okay? What is the number of terrorists that you're well, willing to allow? And I would say that that number, Sean, is probably last fiscal year. If you look at all three years of the Biden administration, it's 336 known or suspected terrorists that have been apprehended along that border. And as I like to say, those are the dumb ones that got caught. You got to think of the millions of gotaway individuals. How many more known or suspected terrorists Right. are in that flow that have never gotten apprehended by a, by a law enforcement agent that is now in the United States. And so these are the national security threats that a lot of people don't want to talk about, but it's really, really important. The Biden administration has that, that, those stats and those figures. They're from the department. They're posted on the website. Yeah. And they look at these numbers and they say, you know what? Everything that we're doing the last three years is working. It's working and we're just going to keep doing more of it. Hey, folks, are you looking to secure your financial future? I know during the Biden economy, that's something that all of us are trying to do more. I've added precious metals to my investment strategy, and the people that I trust to do that are the folks at Bishop Gold Group. Now, if you go to bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean, you can begin your journey as well with a special promotion. Or you can give them a call at 844-984-1616. These are the people that I picked up the phone. I called them. I walked through my particular situation. And we came up with a strategy. Now, maybe you have an IRA that you want to roll over. Maybe you just want to diversify your investments. But people at Bishop Gold Group are the people that I trust. Give them a call or go to the site, bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean. You get on the phone, you talk about your particular situation, and they'll help you come up with a strategy. Maybe you keep some of the gold with you. Maybe they do it for you. But you can work with them one-on-one -on -one to come up with a strategy that's good for you. So go to bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean to begin your journey to financial freedom through precious metals. The House is not sitting by idly. They're taking yeah. steps to impeach Secretary Mayorkas. I want to read a tweet that you sent out. It said, I know the difficulties of the job, but refusing to enforce the law and abusing your discretion is never an option. You go on in the tweet. But what I, I I'm torn. I mean, I think Mayorkas, you know, there's a part of him that's just clearly defiant. But the Biden administration writ large, as we can tell by the DOJ suing Texas to cut barbed wire, this isn't a Mayorkas problem solely. This is a Biden administration problem. Well, I don't disagree with that. And look, it, it's it's very clear that there are some real policy differences between the Biden administration and I think most of Americans when it comes to border security. 
that alone is not enough to, to certainly impeach anyone, as I've been saying for some time now. But when you specifically and knowingly lie to Congress in a way to obscure the facts, in a way to try to gaslight the American people to say, I've got operational control and the border is secure, even though that you know it's not. All the facts and figures we just stated uh, come from the department. When you do that, you're doing that intentionally. And so that's a problem and a cause of concern. But when you continue to abuse your, your discretion or abuse the law, which he has done, and that certainly the committee has, has really articulated that, but you're doing it in such a manner and on such a scale that it is now impacting the lives of millions of Americans along that border and throughout the interior of the country, you've now risen to a different level. It's one thing if the Secretary of Commerce decides to abuse his discretion, I don't think it's really going to impact a lot of Americans and, 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 and you know, specifically. But when, when the Department of Homeland Security Secretary does and, and fentanyl deaths and individuals coming across that border that have public safety and national security concerns, we are at a whole new level and we have never seen this before. This has never occurred before. And so I understand it's, it's difficult for people to kind of you know, comprehend and then say, yeah, I think we should move forward. We've never done it before. We haven't, but we've never been in this position before. So I think, uh, I think there's a number of Republicans, particularly in the House, that are very frustrated with this. I think, yeah, and there's a lot of Americans as well that are frustrated. Let me just ask you this before we end. As I mentioned, uh, the Department of Justice, the Biden Department of Justice has sued Texas for putting up this razor wire. Um, number one, Corinne Jean-Pierre, the genius at the podium, uh, continues to insist that this doesn't do anything. This is not helpful to deter illegal immigration. So number one, is that true? And number two, where do you see this thing going? Because Greg Abbott has declared an invasion under the Constitution. Do you think Texas ultimately wins in this? Or you've know, got 23 yeah. states sending guards down. So where do you see this thing ending? Well, I would say that the White House spokesperson, um, obviously she doesn't know what she's talking about. The use of Constantino wire along that border has been used for decades by both Republican and Democrat administrations alike. So to say that razor wire doesn't do anything to deter illegal immigration, I think that it's just not true. It's a lie. And if you look at Shelby Park in Eagle Pass, since Texas DPS and National Guard have been in there reinforcing the, that two and a half to three miles, apprehensions have have just you know diminished uh, quite quite large. Shocker, so, shocker right? Um, it's it's the same reason that you don't hear Governor Newsom. He never really talks about the border wall, right? Because San Diego and portions of the state of California have had border wall for decades, and what <laughs> they have seen is their apprehensions have gone down, crime has gone down. Look, it works. Everyone knows it works, but the White House again will just try to tell the American people there's nothing to see here. It doesn't it doesn't work at the end of the day. Governor Abbott, to answer the second part, Sean, Governor Abbott's in a very difficult situation. He has a federal government for three years that won't do their job, won't protect Texans and Texan and Texas communities along that border. So he's having to use his own authority. He's having to take unprecedented steps and actions because we have never seen the federal government do this. And by this means, not they're doing their job and refusing to protect folks along that border. And so, you know, the Governor Abbott, he's, he's doing what the people of Texas elected him to do, which is to secure that border. Where this eventually goes, I think, you know, obviously the courts will decide that. But what, if I was in the position, or I think anyone else was in that position, what we would say is, thank you, Governor. Thank you for doing that. 
Because if you're going to deploy Texas DPS and National Guard to three miles or to five miles or to 10 miles, that's a force multiplier. I now don't need large amounts of Border Patrol officers in those areas. I can redeploy Border Patrol to other areas of that border. And so it's a force multiplier. But that's not, that's not where the Biden administration goes. Where do they immediately go? To court and to sue, yeah. to sue the state of Texas on, I, I think it's up to four or five different, uh, different cases right now. Yeah, that just shows what their priorities are. Chad yeah. Wolf, always appreciate your insight. Thanks for being here on this critical day. All right, thanks, Sean. All right, that was a great, the thing that I loved about that conversation with Chad is that we got the ground truth. Now let's get a report from what's actually happening in Texas uh, with Texas Congressman Keith Self. Congressman, good to see you. Um, I just, give me a sense from a Texas perspective what 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 people who don't live in Texas need to understand about the degree to which this immigration, this illegal immigration issue is affecting communities uh, where you live? Well, the illegal immigration issue is affecting every community in Texas. Every uh, district, every sheriff is, is affected by it. The high, major highways are affected with the drugs and human trafficking. Uh, this is a huge issue in Texas. And frankly, this is one of the two issues that blows every issue away. The border and the economy are the two issues. The border is now number one in Texas. And uh, we are just, we are absorbing so much more than the, the whining mayors in New York City and Chicago. So we, you mentioned those whining mayors. Um, at least they're starting to see the light. Um, Mayor Adams in New York, you've got some Chicago and etc. Is in Texas, because of the overwhelming nature of it, is it more of a bipartisan issue, meaning that it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or Democrat down there, you get it? Or is there still a partisan divide? Well, there's still the partisan divide, and that's not going to go away, but everyone is concerned about the border. Uh, no, make no mistake about it. Uh, it is, it is a across the spectrum uh, issue that is going to, that affects everyone in Texas, uh, particularly the closer you get to the border. I mean, we have ranches being overrun. We have the rape trees on our, on our, on our Texas uh, side of the border where uh, underwear is hung. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a tree of shame. We have dead, we're still finding dead bodies in the desert. Uh, the ranchers basically do not have control of their uh, their ranches on the border anymore, Sean. It's it's horrific. So, I asked Chad Wolf this a little while ago. What is the what is the plan, if you will, if if there is one, between Governor Abbott and the and the Biden administration? Like, I, I just I want to see how you, where you guys think this plays out because I I said this to Grant Stinchfield last night. I feel like finally we're playing chess, not checkers. That. Governor Abbott let them play their hand. And then he said, ah, I'm going to call it an invasion now. And I get, you know, he got to move his piece. Finally, we're starting to think outside the box, not just saying, oh, well, the court decided this. Uh, is it that you think that Governor Abbott now has the support to keep uh, going against the Biden administration and supporting this area that, that he's protecting? Sean, there are 24 other governors that have now uh, declared their support for Governor Abbott. One of those, at least one of those governors is moving state police toward Texas. And I believe if President Biden were to do something such as try to nationalize the Texas National Guard, then those governors would then move their National Guard to toward Texas. 
so it is a cat and mouse game. Uh, but I believe that uh, President Biden is seeing the handwriting on the wall that he better not uh, take on 25 governors uh, because that uh, that could be a, a chess game of uh, ultimate proportions. Absolutely. Let's talk about this legislation that's up on the Hill right now. I know Speaker Mike, Mike Johnson has declared it basically dead on arrival, but there's this idea within the, the D.C. class that this is such a great deal and it's moving forward. What do people need to understand about this so-called deal on, on immigration reform that, that the Senate is striking? I don't see it as immigration reform at all, Sean. This is a sham deal. Why? Uh, and you're talking about 1.8 million people will be authorized to come across the border. The asylum pause is at the discretion of the president, which means he, he doesn't do that now. He won't do it. Uh, I, and frankly, I don't understand what a pause means. Would you turn them back and actually send them back to Mexico? Would you detain them? So this has got a lot of questions, and I think Mike Johnson is exactly right. I do not see any appetite in the House for this, uh, and I don't believe this is even one of those bills that you would pass with a majority uh, Democrat vote. So uh, I think it's got a tough road to hoe. So, so it's funny because the president over the weekend is making it clear, I will shut down the border day one. They don't have the ability or the authority to do anything now. I, I, I think we've entered more of a messaging game right now where the administration's trying to one-up us and say, oh, we're willing to sign this. It's you guys who won't take a step forward. Why, why won't we, or why don't we, or aren't we putting out a document right now saying, Mr. President, here's the authority that you have here, the specific actions that you could take right now to stem the tide of this, because they're trying to make it seem like, you know, Corinne Jean-Pierre gets up there every day and says, if the Congress would act, we'd go along with it, trying to push the blame onto you guys. My view is, great, let's put out a memo like they put out theirs this morning. Here's their ridiculous memo to nobody. And put out a memo saying, great, here's all the things that President Biden, if he wants to show that he's sincere about this effort, here's the 10, the 5, the 18, whatever things that he could do today to show that he's serious about shutting down and securing the border. Sean, he's got every authority already in law to do that. Plus, he's got H.R. 2 sitting on his desk, if the Senate would simply pass it, uh, if the Senate will pass H.R. 2 today, he would have it. Those, that is our memo, H.R. 2. But, but don't you understand, you pass HR2 I, 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 I think Senate. respectfully, I don't think that if you walk down a street in your district or down my street in, in Virginia, that anyone would know what that means, right? H.R. 2. But I think that if we can give people five things that the president of the United States is not doing, remain in Mexico, asylum seeking, you know, in, in area countries uh, or third third party countries, people need to know that there's actually things that he can do specifically. Um, and I think that I, I get it. Sometimes I default to everything being a messaging problem. That's my nature. Um, but I do think that we need to do a better job to the average person that's out there that's trying to figure this out. Because as I, I noted earlier, the Today Show this morning is making it seem like there's no national security threat, that President Trump's making up potential threats when we know that 170 plus people on the terrorist watch list are in this country. I mean, I, I just I think we've got to win over the American people. And this is an argument that, frankly, is easier on our side than theirs. Well, I will tell you, Sean, I'm going to be down in Eagle Pass, Texas on the 3rd, which is Saturday, because we have convoys moving across the United States today 
that are going to be going to Eagle Pass, Texas, Yuma, Arizona, and San Ysidro, California. This is a trucker convoy that are going to use the right of their the right to free speech to tell the, uh, the administration that they are not securing the border and the American people have had enough. Uh, this is going to be a major event in three locations across the border. I'm going to be down there. Uh, hopefully, I will get, uh, get to uh, make a short uh, uh, speech, and I hope that we have thousands of truckers, pickups. Uh, I, I want the people to start talking to the administration. This is more, this is above Congress now. This is the American people are fed up with this. It's all we hear. And this convoy, I believe, is going to send that message to the president. So earlier, um, it was, I indicated that the House is taking up these articles of impeachment against Mayorkas. How does this process play out? I mean, like, give me a, do you, is there a timeline uh, between now and when the whole House well, will vote? Well, the uh, floor update that we just got uh, indicated that we may vote on this this week. Uh, so they've put the articles out. Uh, I have no idea what the leadership intends, but the uh, uh, the missive that we got from uh, from the leadership indicated we might vote on it this week. I hope we do. This is our second attempt uh, to impeach Mayorkas, and I have a I have a feeling this one might go better than the last. I, I guess I, I'm hopeful. I I pray it does. My concern is, is that since that last effort, the majority has gotten even slimmer. You're down to one now. McCarthy's gone. Um, I believe Johnson in Ohio should have resigned if he hasn't already. It's He's right in there. Uh, you lost Santos, so we kicked him out. We don't have a lot to play with. Is there, when you, is there any group within the Republican conference right now, um, you know, some of the New York lawmakers, some of the people in Biden districts that you're concerned might not be with us on this? I don't know of anyone right now. Uh, the New Yorkers that you talk about, they are getting hammered in social media over the border because of their, their whining mayor. Uh, so the New York crowd, the, the poor freshmen, uh, they, they're taking it on the chin. They, they're, they're absolutely uh, all in for border security. Yeah. So you, know, you think this is going to pass the conference? I, I'm very hopeful. I, I, I guarantee nothing with our <laughs> narrow majority, but I am hopeful. <laughs> That's a smart, smart move. I with with your majority, with the majority the way it is, I'm with you. I, I don't know that I'd get into a betting game. I, I think the question I would have to you, if 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 you had sort of right now, if someone's watching the show and they said, "Give me the elevator speech as to why we need to impeach Mayorkas," what would you say? Eight million people, eight million plus people. Tens of thousands of Chinese uh, military-age males are now loose in the interior. We've lost 100,000 miners into the interior of the United States, 100,000 miners. They could be in the sex trafficking. They could be in indentured servanthood. Uh, what more evidence do you need? He has basically released terrorists into the United States. We know that. There are probably terror cells in the United States. We have set ourselves up for our own October 7th, uh, it's in addition to just the numbers, the sex trade, the fentanyl yeah. coming across the board. What more evidence do you need? I agree. Congress Keith Self, uh, thank you for being with us and sharing that update. We want to check back in with you soon to see where we are. Appreciate it. You bet. Thank you, Sean. You bet. All right, folks, thanks for being with us today. We've got a busy week ahead. Continue to subscribe. Check us out. Make sure you're giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We'll see you back here tomorrow on The Sean Spicer Show.